Hello, Duncan Green here with the weekly roundup of posts on From Poverty to Power. Um, kicked off on Monday with the usual links I, links I liked um, roundup. I, a couple I really liked. One is um, a really nice piece from Lavinia Tyrell at uh, ABT Associates, one of the big management consultants that works in aid, who I've done some work with. A really clear description of the difference between a theory of change and a theory of action. Theory of change is how we understand the system in general changing. How will this change we want come about? You know, how will kids get educated? How will um, uh, you know, rights uh, be respected? And then the theory of action is much more about what do we do? It's a theory about our, our intervention, our piece in the bigger puzzle. And you need to keep them separate. And Lavinia spells out very well which bits should go where and why it's important to keep them separate and do them both. So I thought that was very helpful. And then the other good news is an old friend of mine, Matthew Lockwood, had a brilliant blog a few years ago called Political Climate, which fills, for me, fills a really big hole in my understanding on, on environmental issues and climate change in particular. Um, what I tend to read either falls into one of two camps. Either it's... Um, you know, everything is terrible, we're all going to die, everything is awful, and then some very vague, hand-wavy ideas about what to do. Um, or a kind of, if I ruled the world, I've got this great scheme where, you know, to save everything, why don't people listen? What Matthew Lockwood does really well is think about the politics of the response to climate change, the politics of decarbonisation, and he's a political scientist by training. He wrote a brilliant book called The State They're In about um, the role of the state in Africa as a response to a rather politically naive Make Poverty History campaign uh, 15 years ago. And he's now back up, and I'm really looking forward to reading what he has to say. first piece I read was on Extinction Rebellion, saying, will it be a flash in the pan? Will it be like Occupy or previous sudden waves of public protest about climate change? Or will it somehow get traction? And those are the sort of questions I think are really interesting and are often just um, uh, missing in the stuff I read. So that's all good news. Tuesday, um, uh, the Institute for Development Studies has got a podcast called Between the Lines, where they get in authors of various development books. And on Tuesday, I posted the one they did with me on how change happens, which was great fun. I mean, you know, a couple of people show up at your house with some microphones, you have tea and cakes, and they chat to you for uh, 30 minutes and voila, you have a podcast. Uh, and so we went through the, the main arguments of how change happens and so on. And I put that up on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I reported back on the first three months of our new experiment on From Poverty to Power, which is something we've called Power Shifts, which is trying to um, change the way we, the blog works in particular in two areas. One is to have far more contributors from developing countries. It was getting a bit uh, white consultancy um, uh, before. Uh, but the other thing is actually, are, and then through their eyes, look at things a bit differently. So try and have more challenges to the standard ways of working of the aid sector and the development sector. Um, and we've been doing it three months. We started on the 1st of April. Um, two other people are involved mainly. That's um, Maria Fasialince, who's uh, the kind of curator of Power Shifts and is doing fantastic networking to try and source really good content from around the world. And Amy Moran, who is kind of sorting out some of the technical issues, some of the website stuff. And, and if you've noticed that the blog is looking a bit sharper these days, that's down to Amy. Um, we spent a day um, a couple of weeks ago just reviewing the numbers 
um, reviewing progress, seeing how it's going. We're, we're pretty happy with the way it's going in the first three months. It's very early days. It's a, it's a two-year project funded by Hewlett Foundation and Ford Foundation in the US. Um, so we think for, for the first three months, it's been going pretty well. The, some of the things we've noticed, um, a big, big increase in the number of African readers and African contributors. So There's probably no accident that it's both. Um, but that it's still the big names that get the, the traffic. So, you know, the, the most popular PowerShift's post was actually um, a podcast I did with Nyla Kabir at the LSE, brilliant uh, Bangladeshi academic um, on some of her work on and, and her critique of randomized control trials. So pretty, pretty wonky, pretty techy, um, and pretty, in some senses, quite mainstream, but very, very popular. Anyway, we reckon that the next three months we should carry on doing quite a sort of scattergun, let's try loads of different stuff. Um, and then after six months, really start thinking, okay, so which of these are working, which of these are delivering, and then try and sort of expand those a bit. So that was the Wednesday post, reporting back on where we've got to. On Thursday was a PowerShift's post um, supporting feminist and queer activists under threat, a repost from a, a really good organization called Urgent Action Fund Africa. Um, and this was about, the, the reason I really liked this post was that it had some very practical, good suggestions for both funders and activists about how to respond to the increased level of threat against feminist and queer activists and against activists in general. Um, some of the things they, they recommended using the arts as a more indirect form of protest and mobilization. Um, and uh, in a similar vein, trying to sort of support non-traditional coalitions, not always the same coalitions of usual suspects, the CSOs, which are so under threat and under attack. Using, looking at litigation, you know, I think there's huge potential for using the law in many situations. Um, and supporting lesser known groups rather than always piling into the same CSOs, which then become very conspicuous and quite vulnerable. So supporting lesser known groups to spread the risk, to diversify the pool of, of activism that is working on any given issue. So I thought that was a really good, practical and, and quite powerful piece. And then by Friday, basically, I'd had enough. Um, it's been ridiculously hot in the UK. Um, the, uh, I'm, I'm frankly quite alarmed by the political direction that the country's going in. We had a new prime, prime minister this week and a fairly um, uh, worrying cabinet uh, for lots of reasons which I won't go into. And by Friday, I just needed a, some light relief. So I went back over um, years and years of, of FP2P blogs and just picked out some of the funny ones, some of my favorite funnies. Um, I, uh, and these are some that actually other people still make comments to me. They, they remember the funny things, not the, uh, not the others. So um, what has Monty Python got to say on development? So some of my favorite clips and um, how they relate to some of our development discussions. A, um, a post which got me into some serious trouble when we went down, had our Christmas lunch and a couple of glasses of wine. And for fun, we re-edited the Ten Commandments as if they'd gone through Oxfam sign-off. What I didn't realize that was the big boss at the time, Barbara Stocking, was quite a serious Christian. And I was, uh, got severely reprimanded for messing with the holy book. Um, but you might want to see how we came up with um, uh, the changes we made to the Ten Commandments. Um, some maths funnies that um, your maths teachers get some really hilarious responses on their maths on their students' maths papers, and every now and then some of them are so good they get circulated. But then finally, a bit more serious about humour, a new video from uh, Pablo Suarez, who's talking about the use of humour 
in discussing climate change and humanitarianism and and the way that humor kind of is the the, the quickest way to actually get a message into someone's head it it, it you know, prevents that awful dull powerpoint poisoning kind of uh, seminar experience and actually by making people laugh you also help them engage and pablo's got a 16 minute um talk on te uh, on tedx about some of the things he's learned about the use of humor in communicating some fairly d sort of scary topics so that's the week i hope you have a great weekend and i'll talk to you soon